0: This is Michael Fagan, Freelance Commercial Director, and welcome to Clienting.
1: All right. Hey, everybody. It's Grant Sanders from Clienting, the podcast for anyone who wants to understand the creative process, know how creative people think, know the rules of engagement, and, uh, and make the work better. And today we are talking to Michael Fagan, a director of Funny Spots. Of humorous spots Although, you know, Michael, you and I have known each other for a few years And I think the spots that you and I worked on uh, Were not funny No Very serious They weren't that funny Well, it might have been funny behind the scenes
0: But it was certainly a More somber, serious, you know It was fun What could be funnier than our defense You know, the uh, defense of the country And, uh capitalism and wealth management.
1: Right. And, um, also, uh, I think we worked on some, uh, spots for people who were aging and staying in their homes. Yes. right. We work on those too. Yeah, we certainly
0: did. Those were, uh,
1: not necessarily hilarious situations, but no, but we had fun. Yeah, we did. We did. Anyway. Um, Michael, why don't you introduce yourself to the clienting audience and then talk a little bit about your journey, how you got to where you are and, and you know, what you're all about. The spiel? Yeah. Yeah. That would be good. All right. The spiel
0: is, um, I've been directing commercials at a relatively higher level for the last couple of years, but about 10 years ago. Uh, my brother and I quit our jobs and decided to start an ad agency because I was working at a newspaper. This is 2011, so 2012 is when we started, and I was tasked to go out and find local businesses and sell them SEO. So I was walking into pizza places, and you know these guys are working behind the grill and the ovens all day, and they have no idea what SEO is. And I had to explain, you know, Google getting their pizza places to pull up when, you know, somebody types in their town. And, you know, they would be very confused. And I would find out soon later that they didn't even have websites, let alone a mobile website. And um, I, I discovered this website that allowed you to turn, I think it's still around. It's called Duda Mobile. It would allow you to take a website type it in and it would spit out a mobile website so in 2011 a lot of sites didn't a lot of websites were just you know looked like garbage on an iPhone and um, I went back to my bosses at the this newspaper and I said hey you know we should start selling this as a product um, because n- nobody has mobile websites and it would help their SEO and they would be like a great package we could go and you know it would be the future and these were um, you know different times people want were still maybe buying more newspapers then, Um, and uh, they said, we're not going to do that. And so I quit my job and me and my brother started selling these (laughs) mobile websites Mm -hmm. and we turned it into a little business and slowly but surely it turned into doing real websites. Then it turned into helping these smaller companies market themselves, Um, and one day we made a video to rank on Google. We found that if you had a video on YouTube, you would come up in the search it happens now still but it was much more prominent back then 10 years right. ago and so very very bad videos you can look them up if you want uh some of them are still alive um but at, year after year they got better and better and we kind of found that uh we liked doing the videos more than building the websites and the marketing and meeting people such as yourself grant in the area who were major players in the ad world, we learned that we were not an agency. We didn't know anything about branding and marketing. We kind of just like did stuff. And so we decided to stop uh, competing with people such as the Grant Sanders of the world and um, work with them. And so we just focused on video. This is me and my brother. He would produce. I would direct and we would kind of do everything. And over the last couple of years, I've fallen into doing comedy. It just happened one day. And the next thing was another comedy thing. And I I love doing the comedy. Um, But it kind of just like happens, you know, you just are working for 10 years. And the next thing you know, you're in a little bit of a niche, and that kind of helps you grow. And for me, it was comedy. Um, I just love being on set. And you know, today, I'm now in a place where I get to work on you know, I'm not on multi-million-dollar shoots just yet, but um, I'm getting there. And you know, I, I just love working with awesome crew and you know, great agencies and good ideas. And that's the that's the long and short of
1: it. Great, great. Well, you know, the multi-thousand-dollar shoots can often be pretty fun. I think I still have stuff on my website
0: that is spec that I mm-hmm. had more fun on with two people. And a $200 budget, and we just made it look like it cost $100,000. And I still have stuff up there that is not a real job, blended in with stuff that's real. And hopefully people can't tell what's, you know, what's spec and what's not. But sometimes the jobs with no budgets, you have to come up with solutions. And it ends up being more fun. Um, But you need, I found you need the guidelines of the agency. Um, and that's what's one thing that's great about your podcast is hearing from different people in the industry. Um and, you know, the the way to do it, you know, respecting the process of how things actually should go. Um they don't always go that way, but um I found that having having a really good agency or a really good board or a good producer means you you know, you get something really you you, you have you have really great people, you have a really good idea, you're gonna end up with something good. But, uh but yeah, sometimes the smaller budgets are give you a little bit more longitude and latitude to creatively push things um but uh but i I've grown over the last couple of years to really respect like just finding great copywriters because that's where the idea can kind of really it's where the idea starts, but then having just a great agency behind you that has a solid idea and I haven't really done a lot of spec stuff in the last couple of years, but mm-hmm. um I still would love to go back to doing something smaller. Um, I just think that uh, even if you mess up, like I've done some spec stuff, just goes off the rails, doesn't work at all. Probably didn't even end up working in the edit, but like learning from a, learning from a mistake that doesn't cost you anything, you know, where you don't have a relationship that you burned or an agency or you look foolish, you kind of just can make mistakes with your friends on your own that you learn from. Um, So there's still a spot in my heart for spec, but um, luckily the last couple of years I've gotten to do some,
1: some fun stuff. Great. Great. Well, let's talk a little bit about humor um, and how hard it is. (laughs) I've, I've, you know, I've done a lot of funny stuff. I've done a lot of serious stuff. And you know, I find that humor is often difficult on a bunch of different levels. Can you talk about getting humor right and, you know, making something funny and what the challenges are.
0: I find that the boards that I'm seeing now, like traditionally, I will get an email that has an idea. It's probably 80 percent, 90 percent there. Mm -hmm. There's usually some room for, for maneuvering, changing stuff. Sometimes you have a client that has tons of lawyers that have already approved stuff and you have to just shoot exactly what's written. But I found that when there is an idea that's 75, 80% baked, but there's some, the dough's not, I don't know, what's an analogy I could use here. Um, The ingredients are there. You have the instructions on, you know, what you're going to do, but Mm -hmm. there's a little bit of room for changing, you know, how much salt you're going to put in here. This is not a great analogy. This is falling apart as I'm explaining it. (laughs) I don't know. We'll think of, I'll think of something better, but basically having a little bit of breathing room, in a script is always beneficial. I like to have improv on the table. Mm -hmm. I think that for some reason it happens every single time you have a script, you do the scripted version. If the client's open to it, you say, Hey, are we open to improv? An actor just does something that you could have never written or planned. And it could be a look. It could be the way they say something. And you kind of just kind of like jump on it. I did a, a project. I can talk about the project because it's been out for a couple of years. Okay. I did a project with uh, Vinny Pastor from The Sopranos. He is a bull. You just have to like get on and let him go because his personality on Sopranos—that's kind of who he is. He's just a mm-hmm. you know, he's a hilarious guy. He's very professional, great actor. Um, These are on your site, right? This is on my site. This is a job for uh, Decent Watson. They're a, a meat company.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: um, he played the genius idea from a great copywriter named Roman um, at a, at an agency here in Philadelphia. And um, the idea was he was a mobster who came back from the dead as the Gabba ghoul. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he's in a he's in a kitchen and he's wearing a robe and he's basically like a ghoul, a Gabba ghoul. And I'm just looking at the monitor and he's trying on the wardrobe to see like what different robes would work. And he turns around and opens and he like addresses camera. And I was like, oh, that's funny. The way he just turns to camera. He wasn't planning on doing it in the the shot. He was just doing it for us to see what the wardrobe looked like.
1: Mm -hmm. And I was like,
0: we need to have him start the spot turning to camera going, oh, hey. And so it was in rehearsal that that just happened. And I don't think we could have planned that before. Um, and so these little moments sometimes happen on a shoot and it's kind of like inertia. You don't know what's going to happen. You kind of just got to go with it and be comfortable to move and shift and shape and find what's funny. It, Cause some, sometimes things are just hilarious on page and they don't right. work with an act with an actor. They can't say it. I did a spot. The actor couldn't say jacuzzi. We did 40 <laughs> takes jacuzzi. He, he could never say, he couldn't say jacuzzi. And so these things happen and you just got to be like super ready to be able to pivot and think on your feet. So some shoots just go great and they go how they're written, but others are just you got to think on your feet, come up with a better line, you know, be as prepared as you want, but like be open for something happening because like magic happens when you have a really good actor. And that's like, you know, actors make me look great. It's it's really mm-hmm. just casting fantastic people and letting them shine.
1: Yeah, this this is a good note for clients and that, you know, always leave a little room open for some kind of magic to happen. I have done a bunch of work with my buddy Andy Lerner, who right now he's a voice director for SpongeBob, believe it or not. That's what he does for a living. He directs SpongeBob SquarePants, but he was really good at casting up and coming stand-up comedians or people yeah. in the industry who were you know well-known character actors who just had a shtick that they could they could fit right into a spot and every time you get a a, a good actor in front of a microphone something something unexpected's going to happen you know if they're if they're good at what they do they're going to bring something I love, new
0: I Totally. That's like my favorite thing. I was on a job a few weeks ago. And it was very bare bones. It was all in the actor was on a white psych. So very minimal. And there was just a refrigerator there. And we were doing all types of product stuff. It was like very short. Um, It was for LG. It was very like short form, little micro pieces of content for if you go to Best Buy, you know, you can see this little tiny video. Um, And we Mm -hmm. did a a bunch of them and they were scripted, but there was tons of room for improv. And there was a point where me and the actor were just sitting there and the crew's waiting for us to roll. And she's just like, wouldn't it be funny if I did this? And I was like, yeah. And then say this. And we kind of like had this little tiny, you know, um, it was just her and I, the whole crew is waiting and you kind of feel the pressure of it. One thing that I've, you know, if, if anybody hasn't seen the Steven Spielberg, HBO documentary, it's, amazing for even commercial work um there's a part where he talks about how he doesn't really have things blocked out on the day he kind of has an idea he gets there and he likes to be kind of put in a corner i mm-hmm. don't want people to know he's put in the corner and it kind of forces him to make decisions i like that on the improv level where it's like we don't have tons of stuff written even though we have you know three or four alt lines, but we go in there with the ability to just make up something on the spot, and it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like sports in a way of like you don't know what's going to happen. Like you know, we're we're taping this the day after the UConn won the NCAA championship, and it's right. the great thing about live sports is you just never know what's going to happen, and so having that energy and an actor and really great creative who are welcoming it that's where magic sometimes happens. Sometimes it's, you know, sometimes the magic's not there and you got to pivot and you got to make something work. Maybe you just go with the scripted version, but like, I would say eight to nine times out of 10, if you cast, well, you're going to get something
1: awesome that you didn't even plan for. Right.
0: And then you pray, you pray, pray it makes the edit. That's the other thing.
1: (laughs) Well, that's, you know, that's the thing about production is if you plan correctly, um, you can cover off on what's on the storyboard. You can cover off on what's in the script, and then you can, then you can try to elevate it to some extent, you know. And and you 100%. do that a lot too. You you will take a script and try to elevate it. Let's talk a little bit about you know situations in which you have that that freedom, and situations where you may not have felt that you had that freedom. So, I think that the thing that I have. How can I word
0: this? I'll back it up a little bit by saying in order to win a job, I have to impress somebody such as yourself mm-hmm. with what, how I take what you've created and put my spin on it or show how I would shoot it. Um, it's very, to be transparent. It's such a tight rope to walk when you have a call with a client or an agency There's 500 directors they've looked through. If you're lucky enough, you get shortlisted to three. I get on a zoom with the creatives, maybe account services is there. client is usually not involved at this point. Um, and they, you know, it's kind of just, uh, talking to each other about the idea and it's them looking at me to see what I would do. Now, I don't know if they're super pumped about the idea they've created Or this is the 14th idea that they sold the client on and they're not super psyched on it. And they're looking for somebody to take it and bring it to the next level. Mm -hmm. Luckily, most people just want to make good stuff. And so I think part of the pitching process before even getting the job is being able to be respectful of six weeks of back and forth with the client that I'm not even involved or aware of. I just get you know, what's close to being approved or has been approved. So I find it to be difficult, not the right word. It's like the nuances of not changing too much, but changing enough to show that you're putting your spin on it. And you're, as you were saying, elevating it because you don't want to offend them by changing it too much. I look at it as 15 degrees. I can go 15 degrees left or 15 degrees. Right. If I go 45, which I've done before, and it's never won a job. Um, it's not pretty actually it won one time. Um, but that was one percent. Um, yeah, because they have to then they're gonna have to go back to their client and pitch some random thing that's totally off the wall. Um, right. it, it never works. So finding that balance between how can we take this guy sitting at a table, saying his thing that they've written and make that interesting without changing it to, Oh, he's in outer space. Um, so that's the hardest part, honestly, of finding the balance between what I would do with it, what the creative would love to do with it. And on, at the end of the day, winning the job, because once the jobs won, then we can kind of talk through stuff and they can shoot stuff down. But if I say, I want to shoot this guy in outer space and they're thinking we are shooting this, you know, in a cafe, um, I'm, I'm way off base. So once the job, luckily, you know, if I win the job, I think it's really just working with the creatives to figure out like how far can we push this? Is the agency going to be, is the client, sorry, is the client going to be freaked out by us going to them and saying, Hey, we were thinking about doing this uh, in super slow motion. It would be a really cool way. Um, A job that I just did, they had a a awesome idea and it was Mm -hmm. basically freeze frame. Of somebody hurting their back and we took that and said hey that's really cool but what if we do it with a very high-speed camera and we see them hurting themselves dropping things and um, it would just be visually very interesting because if you did it as freeze frame people watching on their phone are just gonna think it's paused or they're not gonna be able to tell there's no motion going right, on right, right. so right. that's that's an example of a 15% change elevating it doing something that is cool because one thing i've found and i'll stop rambling <laughs> at this point and is the um the agencies might not always understand production as much as you know somebody who's on set like myself like if you're at an agency you might be lucky to be on set once a year uh maybe you're at a place that does a ton of production and you're on set five times a month and there's an internal production company or you know some some creatives don't understand um or you know, need a little bit of assistance taking their idea from the page to the screen. And I think if you're a director or if you're a DP or if you're looking to become, you know, a producer or really anybody, I think being able to communicate with the agency is like the biggest thing and figuring out ways to take their idea and make it better but also like not get lost in the, in the process.
1: You are listening to clienting the podcast for anyone who wants to improve the state of the client creative relationship. If you like clienting, please tell a friend and visit us at client ing.com and review us on iTunes. Now back to our show.
0: whether that's working with somebody that's never been on a set with 25 people to, you know, um, the shoot that I was just on, we had time. I explained to one of the agency people how focus works with a focus puller. Like, mm-hmm. you know, people you have been on set, they understand like, Oh, there's somebody that pulls focus to keep them in focus. They didn't understand that concept because production and the, what I find to be difficult that I'm trying to, I at least try to change on the shoots that I do is the agency and the production sometimes feel like two different worlds that are just jammed together. And there's like, not that communication on the day. It's kind of awkward. You don't know who is who. Um, So I think to sum up your question in this long rambling um, explanation I've done, one of the biggest things to take an idea and elevate it is to just have a great communication with the agency and um, not be afraid to try to push an idea, but also just be like respectful of the boundaries.
1: Right. And you also have probably run into this like I have, you know, before I worked for an agency in Connecticut, I was a freelancer for 20 years and I worked for 30 different creative departments. I did all kinds of stuff. I was in all kinds of productions. And you can basically tell when you're on set, if the agency is scared out of their mind of their client or not, you know, if they're like in fear of their of their, you know, existential, th- the ex existential threat of their client blowing the gasket and, and not, and not liking what they're seeing. Um, you can always tell when an agency has that level of fear, you can almost smell it. Um, and that's very, it's very hard to do something funny in that situation, but it's also very hard to do something good. Totally.
0: Yeah. Cause comedy is subjective and mm-hmm. you don't know if somebody has a dark sense of humor, you know? or if somebody wants something to, you know, like I've never laughed once at how I met your mother or the big bang theory, but they're some of the most successful TV shows of all time. Mm -hmm. I don't know if Chuck Laurie's both of them or any of them, but you know, people love them. Um, I'm more of a Kirby enthusiasm guy. I think the darker stuff, you know, there's funny in the, in the darkness a little bit. Um, more nuanced so you know comedy subjective every you know if somebody watches a gatorade spot and it's really emotional most people are going to have the the same reaction to it if it's done well if it's lit well mm-hmm. if it's emotional the music's you know on point with comedy something that you find funny and something that i find funny could be two you know polar opposites um A lot of times the comedy stuff is very down the middle, generic, and just meh. There's no one specific Super Bowl spot this year. But I do feel like, you know, you got to take risks on the comedy side. And whether it's, you know, it lands or not, at least you're kind of, I think of it as like swinging for the fence. I've certainly been on shoots where it's like, they just want a base hit. They want to get on first base. Mm it's here we go. It's not a laugh out loud. It's kind of just a, huh? Huh? Um, But I think swinging for the fence, as far as like, having an alt line or just doing something totally different, going for something that is, even if it's not laugh out loud, it's just interesting. And like, you know, like John Hughes movies, they're not laugh out loud funny, but there's some really great stuff in there. I was rewatching. She's having a baby. My Mm -hmm. my wife and I just had a baby. So I was watching all these movies over the last six months. But like she's having a baby. Very emotional. But there's some funny stuff in that. That's just It's true to life. It doesn't make you laugh out loud, but it's like, oh, I've been there. That's me. Um, So I think just like finding stuff that is reflective of my own life um, that people go, oh, yeah. That's I've been there. I've done that. But yeah, humor—it's tough. I, I I dream of going to a shoot where there's no on-screen talking, and it's just like somebody looking into the camera. And I I certainly, you know, have friends that do that very very well, and I'm I'm jealous of them, um, not having to have it be good and be funny at the same time. But I don't know. I've I've I found myself gravitating towards this because I feel like I am able to. Um, find something in there that I find rewarding to myself, whether that's getting a really great performance out of somebody, something that happened a couple of weeks ago is we literally couldn't use a take because the camera operator was laughing so hard. Obviously it's not ideal,
1: but (laughs) it's
0: rewarding. (laughs) It's rewarding to have like the, in the background, I think they cleaned it up, but you can literally hear the client like almost ruining the take by, by laughing. And, um, (laughs) even if it's not used it's kind of like a you know stand up comedians who i kind of chase that dragon now of like having a shoot where like people are just having a great time and usually that translates to a good spot
1: right well let's talk a little bit about um something you do really well which is subtle this is humor. a great this is a great podcast
0: where somebody just tells you all the things you do really well. I think you and you're very handsome
1: lunch. too, Michael. Oh my way. goodness! Yeah, we got to release a no, video. That, let's talk about subtlety because you know I'm thinking about um, a spot. I remember that you did uh, for <gasps> Subway, where I wasn't even sure after the first ten, twelve seconds that it was that it was supposed to be a funny spot. It sounded out. It started out feeling like a regular subway spot but then it just you know the subtle humor just sort of leaked into your consciousness and eventually you're like oh this is hilarious you know like how do you how how do you manage something like that especially when you are working with a client and a creative team and a creative director and you know you you have your own vision as well how do you make that work
0: i'll tell you how i make it work by explaining a shoot that maybe didn't work um There was a shoot for a bank, and it was very uh how I say lawyered up i was the first time I think I had a shoot where there was like a lawyer. I've had a couple of shoots where there was like legal team on there.
1: oh boy, that's and gotta be
0: hard yeah it's very it's it's um it was probably one of the bigger shoots I had done at that point and I spent, I looked at my Apple watch at the end of the shoot and I had probably set, I set, I got all my rings that day because I was walking back and forth from video village trying to explain how it would come together in the edit. I think that sometimes it's easy when things are funny, uh, by somebody delivering a line, but a lot of times the subtleties in the edit, if right. it goes one yeah. second too long or two seconds too long, That's where the joke can be. So if somebody's saying a line and they're saying like, uh, you know, something, 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 hit the punchline. Oh, okay, Laugh, laugh, laugh. But if it's an awkward silence or if it's something where there's like, you know, like, for example, the slow motion, there's no dialogue. That's hard to explain to somebody unless they see it. And so one thing that I learned, like, for example, Subway I'll be transparent. That was the, that's the spot that I was talking about. That was the spec spot. That was mm-hmm. the people in the spot. I mean, one of them is my friend. The other is our real estate agent. One of the people was the camera guy's mom. They're not actors. Um, and at the time chef's table was big. And so the idea was we were going to, we we're going to basically make a satire of a subway employment videos. If it's chef's table, chef's Table's not as popular now, but mm-hmm. at the time, it was beautiful food shots, amazing food photography and chef's table. It's one of the best shows on on Netflix. I think they just did a new season with pizza. But the joke was it's amazing, beautiful subway food cutting to a teenager who's been working there for two weeks who doesn't really know what he's doing. But the food's so good, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So that's hard to explain to somebody just without seeing kind of the cut in their head. And one thing that is very helpful for clients that I've been doing lately is making animatics with the boards. Right. Um, and this could be a longer topic, but you know, 30 seconds is a lifetime at this point, because a lot of stuff that I'm doing is 15s, um, for, you know, Hulu and, um, social media pre-roll. So the 15s you have to be, on the money with the cut because it can't be 16 it can't be 14 i guess it could be 14. Um, but the last three seconds is showing the logo so you basically have 12 or 13 seconds so um one way to kind of show off the subtlety is to do a little sample edit you take the storyboards you put the music that you want to it and you can kind of showcase where things would be so i think for a client or an agency to see what they're going to get before they, you know, you show up and shoot it. That's super helpful to be, be transparent. And you can also work out things that don't work or do work. Um, A simple answer to the question too, is the camera movement, um, the blocking. Is it funny? You know, I've heard one of the quotes that I always think of is, you know, the laughs are in the wide there's, you know, the tight, the close ups. You usually aren't going to get the laugh. It's the wide shot, like cutting to a wide of a paint, painting falling and the family just being there for some reason that's funny so if they can see that in a in a mock-up edit or you can explain that i think it just comes back to the transparency and the communication with the agency as far as what you're going for that way you don't show up on set and you're all just like what the hell are we doing because i've done that before and it doesn't work
1: (laughs) Well, let's go back to something you touched on, which is, you know, there are different kinds of humor. There's some clients may have a sense of what they think is funny and you may have a sense of what you think is funny. How do you reconcile that, especially with the other folks that are in the in the equation there?
0: I think that you have to. Well, one short answer is director cuts. So Mm -hmm. usually we leave a shoot with several options. Um, sometimes if I'm not crazy about the client cut, whether that means the color grade or, you know, other little things that, you know, nobody else in the world will notice except me. Um, but having options, I think as far as an actor delivering lines, different ways, um, there was a job that I just did and, um, it hasn't come out yet. So I can't really talk about exactly what it was, but it was four people walking, And they were criticizing people's lawns. It was for Mm -hmm. a uh, company that, you know, sells things for a house, let's just say. And they wanted to show off people walking around judging other people's houses. And we had a lot of alts. Um, There was a line that I absolutely loved. And um, the actress just kind of came up with it on the day. And the client came up to me like I went over to Video Village and I was like, that's funny. And he was like, it was something about the trash getting picked up. And he's like, "Yeah, trash only gets picked up once a week." And I was like, "Yes, but that's why it's funny because it's absurd." So I think that um, one one quote that I always say to to myself is that there's you got to find the line between what's the Spinal Tap quote. There's a fine line between genius and and stupid. stupid. Yeah, there's a fine line between clever and stupid. And if you can ride that line, that's where for me that's where like the gold is. Be so dumb, but also smart at the same time, almost like a Conan O'Brien, somebody that's just so self-deprecating, but is a Harvard graduate and is one of the smartest people you'll, you'll ever meet. Right. Um, just finding that line between clever and stupid. For me, that's the short answer to, to, to the question, I think. And hopefully the client is in the middle with you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, clients, clients are funny people. Not not funny, haha, but you know sometimes peculiar because they have they have all kinds of stresses on them that we're not even thinking about as creative folks, right um you know, no. they're worried about their boss, they're worried about their market share, they're worried about their job um and so you know he, here's a question that i've been I've wanted to ask you for a while now it's like okay here's here's a client. They may not, they may be sort of afraid of humor. They may be afraid of being too funny or afraid of denigrating their brand or, you know, one of those kinds of things. How do you, how do you help them feel better about the kind of work that you do?
0: Well, the podcast, the podcast is called clienting, right? My client, I look at my client as the agency and the production company that I work with. I freelance with several production companies. They all work with different agencies. I look at the agency as who is going to rehire me. It would love to be on another campaign for anybody that I've ever shot with as a client, but the likelihood of them spending another couple hundred thousand dollars that year or the next year is likely, but the fact of it being another comedy piece and me being brought back, not as likely as the agency having a great experience and going, oh, we have this spot for so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. It's comedy. We had a great shoot with Michael. Let's talk to him and see if he's available. Mm -hmm. So for me, the end client is always the agency. I understand that their end client is the client, the the brand that's paying for the spot. Um, And your question was, how do you navigate around them being afraid of maybe pushing the limit? Is that-
1: yeah, I mean it 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 makes it makes some clients nervous to to operate in an area that they may not be really comfortable in.
0: I think it's I think one thing is past work. Past mm-hmm. work is what gets you future work. Um I wouldn't get really any jobs if I didn't have a portfolio to speak of. I think showing them something that you've done, getting them comfortable. I'm in the middle right now of hopefully by the time this airs, maybe winning a job could lose it. But I think the fingers, past crossed. Work that I, fingers crossed the past work that I have is a great indicator of what I can do for them. I don't think anybody's going to hire me to make a, uh, let's see, what's something polar opposite than I've done. Um, I don't think I would love to do this and I've done a little bit of it, but I'm not going to get hired by Mercedes Benz to do the most insane $5 million car commercial you've ever seen. There's 30 to 50 car people that only do his cars. Um, Shout out to a good friend of mine, Brian Petters. All he does is cars um, Mm -hmm. and music videos. But I think that, you know, in the same way, he's not going to get hired to do a food commercial where, you know, the dad falls on his face and it's hilarious. Um, I think having the past work to show that you've been there and done that. And this is kind of a side answer to your question that is specializing. Um the, another quote I have in the back of my head is niche until it hurts. I heard that from on a podcast recently. And I think when you are specializing, people go to you because you've been there and you've done that. I've been on a lot of shoots with a lot of food and a lot of comedy and a lot of improv and a lot of things that went great and sometimes things went wrong. And I think if you've been there you can pivot. And I think people like to hire people that have been there before and shown that they've done it. So I think I have some stuff that is a little off the wall, a little crazy, but then there's some stuff that's safe. And if it's a client that just wants something to be a little bit safer, here's three spots I've done. These are pretty safe. They're fun. They're not offensive. They might be that big bang theory style where, you know, it's very broad and Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not for the Kirby enthusiasm people, um, but then here's this spot that was a little crazier. Maybe it's the subway spot, which is a little left field. Um, I think past work is the way to make them feel comfortable.
1: Great. Well, Michael, this has been fantastic. I I could talk about this stuff all day. What? Why don't you let everybody know if they want to get a hold of you or if they want to follow your work, how they can do that?
0: My website is probably the best way. Michael mm-hmm. Ryan Fagan.com and uh, Instagram addicted to social media need the dopamine hit. So give me a follow and uh, LinkedIn. LinkedIn is basically where I spend all my time now. So connect me.
1: On well, that's how you and I got together. I, I think your uh, brother Brian got in touch with me on LinkedIn and said, Hey, we want to come show you some work.
0: Yes. That shout out to saying. my brother. Brian Fagan, producer, I wouldn't be at the place that I am now without him partnering with me all those years ago and quitting his very financially rewarding job to make commercials. <laughs> so uh, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to get me on here. I'm a big fan of the podcast, and uh, I don't know if I'm going to listen to myself, but I do listen to all the other episodes.
1: Well, if I have to listen to me, you have to listen to you deal. You've been listening to Clienting, the podcast for anyone who wants to improve the state of client-creative relationships. For more, visit us at client-ing.com and sign up to receive helpful info about making the work better. That's the goal, better work. The Clienting Podcast was produced by Ray McSriff with help from Scott Dork and edited by Bobson Dugnut and Willie Dustus. Technical support by Mike Truck. Music by Anatoly Smorin. Creative support from Sonny Sanders and Tony Smerrick. Special thanks to Anson Sweeney and Kevin Nogilny. And the amazing Lisa Furland. This is your host, Grant Sanders. See you next time.